Thank you so much. One of the things that uh, came about from our um, staff meeting this past week is the number of visitors that we've been having. And what we want you to do if you're a visitor, um, if you would, to look on the inside of your bulletin and this care card, if you would fill that out on the front and the back, what that does, it gives us a record of your visit. Also, if you're interested in the new members class, which we will have eventually, uh, and we'll have that class after uh, a Sunday morning service in this building. Uh, if you're interested in that, if you're interested in talking to a staff person or coming by, we typically don't visit in the homes right now because of uh, the pandemic. But if you want to come by the church office and schedule a visit with myself or any of our staff, you can fill that out. And also I want to mention also to our church members just to remind you that if you have a prayer request, if you would please fill that out and tear it out and then just put it in the baskets in the back so, we, so that we could have a record of that. We'd really, really appreciate it. I don't think some weeks we really uh, give you the information that you need to do that, but it's really helpful for us, beneficial for us, and hopefully it will be for you as well. Now I'm going to ask you to stand with us and sing as the praise team leads us in worship this morning. Thank you.
remain standing as we go to the Lord in prayer. Just a couple things to ask you to pray for. Many of you, if you're online or connected with Finding Hope Ministries, many of you know that they had a loss in their first home. They had a fire this past week. Uh, we've posted that on our Facebook page. You can see a link that they've posted. And you'll be hearing more about that, I'm sure, in the coming weeks and months as they have great need there to get some major repairs done. No one was injured. Everyone was safe. But they do have that burden now. And they are trusting the Lord. And I know we'll have a part in that as well. I also been asked, I talked to Anita Dunn, many of you are aware of her medical situation, and this morning she said she would greatly appreciate your prayers as she has been diagnosed with cancer and has started treatments. She just said she's extremely weak right now, and I just remember Anita Dunn in your prayers. And I'm going to ask you this morning, with it being Mother's Day, uh, we've done this before, um, I'd just like to ask all the moms just to be seated for a second, and if you're there with your mom, if it's your wife, if it's your Grandmother, if it's your mom, um, I just want you to get around them. Maybe you can put your arm around them, grab their hand. And we're just going to have a time of praying for our moms. I guarantee you that your moms have prayed more for you than you've prayed for her. And we need to take just some time to lift them up. So just if you're near your mom, or maybe there's a mom near you, just put a hand on their shoulder. And I'm going to ask you to go to the Lord in prayer. If you would, bow your heads and let's lift them up together. Just take time to thank the Lord for her, whether she's in this room or not, or maybe she's going on to be with the Lord. Just thank the Lord for the blessing of your mom and how she's touched your life and impacted you. Thank the Lord for her unconditional love, all the times that she was the Lord's hands and feet and a lot of times his voice to you. Be thankful for her sacrifices when she's always put you first. And Lord, we pray together that you may bless our moms. Bless those even in our life that have served as mothers. Maybe if our mom has been absent or maybe it's not a good situation, Lord, you have put people in our lives that have shown us that great love. Thank you for the role that they've played, not only just in our families, but in our communities, in our churches. And I pray, Lord, that you would renew and refresh our mothers today, that you would strengthen them, give them continued wisdom. And may they experience your strength today and your perfect peace. Lord, I don't know where we would be without our mothers today. Lord, we just thank you for them. And Lord, we also want to lift up the needs of our congregation. We pray for finding hope. Lord, we trust that you will meet their needs. Thank you for protecting them during this time. And Lord, we lift up Anita. Lord, as you see fit, that you may bring complete healing to her. But Lord, we trust you through this and pray that you would strengthen her today. Lord, we thank you for your presence, that you never leave us or forsake us. And Lord, you are in this very place today. Help us to honor you and worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated.
I see your tiny face, your fingers wrapped in mine. I wonder how I'll raise this precious gift of life. I'd give you all my money, but it can't buy what you'd need. I'd show you all the world, but more than that song because my children are here and my grandchildren and I pray more than anything that they have seen God in me and that I've given them faith more than I've given them any kind of wisdom or any kind of health or any kind of happiness I just want them to know the Lord Jesus I want my grandchildren to know the Lord Jesus and thank you sorry I finished this Thank you, Amanda. I thought she finished that song quite well, didn't she? Thank you so much for that. Hey, guys, I want you to look at the flowers that are placed here. These flowers are placed in memory of Judy Davis by our family and Billy. Boys, we love y'all. Uh, this is the first Mother's Day Billy's having without his wife. And the boys without their mother, so God bless you. All right, if you'll stand with me and turn to Mark chapter 7. We're going to talk today about the power of a praying mother. I love when I go visit our church members, especially senior adults, all the stories they'll tell. And uh, Clyde Meesemore, is Patsy, is, is Patsy and her family here? I, I can't see. There you go. Clyde Meesemore told me a story. He was in the hospital, and Clyde would always tell me this. Come here and sit down and preach, and you did what Clyde said. So he was talking about the war, right, World War II? And he was in this battle that was one of, and I've shared this with you before, I think, but it's, it's one of the deadliest battles in World War II. If you go online, they do documentaries about this. I mean, people were dying. Clyde lived. And I said, Clyde, tell me about that. He said, well, this is what I do, preach. Every morning I'd get up, I'd get me a cup of coffee, and I'd go set out an old stump, and I'd just drink it. 
bombs flying going off. And he said, his, the guy over him came out and said, Missy Moore, what are you doing out here? You're, not, you're going to die. He says, I'm not going to die. My mama's praying for me. Now think about that. My mama's praying for me. I wonder how many of you are here today because your mom prayed for you. How many of you are born again? Because I'd say the vast majority of you that are born again are born again because your mother prayed for you. This story that we're going to read this morning, this woman's faith is amazing. She prayed, in Matthew's gospel it says when she started praying, Jesus didn't say a word to her. And she kept on praying. And then he spoke and get, tested her faith. And then she kept on praying. And she kept on praying. So the one major point that I want to give you this morning is just keep on praying. Amen. Keep trusting, keep believing, and keep praying. Notice what the Bible says. Chapter 7, verse 24. From there he arose and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and wanted no one to know it. But he could not be hidden. For a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit, the other gospels say a demon-possessed girl, basically, who had an un unclean spirit, <clears throat> a young daughter who had unclean spirit, heard about him, and she came and fell at his feet. This woman was Greek, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she kept asking him to cast out the demon, or cast the demon out of her daughter. But Jesus said to her, Let the children be filled first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to little dogs. Sounds harsh, doesn't it? But it's not. It's very theological. If you hear some people speak on this verse, I'm amazed at how they get it so wrong. They almost make Jesus have to be a bad person. It's blasphemy what they say. I'll try to my best to explain it to you. She got the point, and it didn't bother her at all. But notice her faith. Jesus said, the little dogs get the crumbs. The children get the bread. All right? And she says this. Look. And she answered and said to him, yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. You know what she said? I'll take your crumbs. Have you ever prayed just for crumbs? Lord, I, I, I don't need the loaf today. I just need some crumbs, and I'll take them. Because your crumbs are better than anything the world has to offer. That's what she's saying. And then notice, then he said to her, For this saying, go your way. The demon has gone out of your, out of your daughter. And notice what she does. She doesn't question Notice what she does in verse 30. And when she had come to her house, she just walked in faith. My daughter's healed. My daughter's healed. If you read Matthew's gospel, the Bible says she's severely demon-possessed. And she just walks in faith. Notice verse 30. And when she had come to her house, she found the demon gone out and her daughter lying on the bed. Let's pray together. Father, as we come to you in prayer, we want to thank you, Lord, for mamas who pray. Father, I want to lift up all those men who are spending Mother's Day without their mom or possibly even their wives for the first time. Lord, you bless them. Jesus, only you can heal that hurt. Father, there, there are people here, it's the first Mother's Day without a grandmother or a mother. And Lord, you help them. Lord, just as you help this woman, you help them. I'm praying and asking you to and believing you to do it. Lord, what a great story. Lord, this woman's faith is amazing to me. I pray that I would have that same faith, that persistence, and not give up and pray. Father, thank you for the power of a praying mother. In Jesus' name I pray and all of God's people say together, amen. Thank you, be seated. Look at the first verse on the screen. This is very important. And from there he arose and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Show, show this on, the, on the, this map, just so you'll understand. Tyre is there with the red dot, Sidon's up above that. What makes this so interesting? If you notice Capernaum right there at the Sea of Galilee, when you read the Gospels, the very first opening chapters up until you get to Jesus gets to Jerusalem, which is in the last year of his ministry, the last of the Gospels is that, going to the cross. Much of the Gospels beforehand is Jesus' ministry up here, up north, okay? The Sea of Galilee, Capernaum. Jesus had some harsh things to say about Capernaum. We're going to talk about that in a minute. What's ironic is this woman, this is the first time Jesus, and only time Jesus ventures outside of Israel. The only story we have where Jesus ventures outside of Israel. And he goes, uh, we, the, the, the Greek scholar says, if you study how Mark wrote it, he's saying Jesus went deep into this pagan, godless territory to get away. What verse 24 says, he wanted to go to get away, but our text also says this, that he could not be hidden. He could not be hidden. Why? Because in Mark chapter 3, we're not going to look at it, but the Bible says this. 
It says, from Jerusalem and beyond the Jordan and the vicinity of Tyre and Sidon, a great number of people heard of all that he was doing and they came to him. So even, in, even though Jesus is going deep into this pagan territory to try to hide and get some rest, he can't. He's so popular that he can't because of what he's taught and what he's done. And this woman has heard about him. She's never saw him probably, but she's heard about him and she found out where he was because mamas know what they're doing, right? My mama's going to find you. Kids, let me tell you something. Your mama will find you, all right? Or your mama will find you, trust me. But she finds him. She finds him. But notice the problem that we have. We, see, we have two people here. You have a possessed daughter. A severely possessed daughter. Now, the Bible uses the word demon. And I, I look this, this word up. Now, think about this. Demon most often describes demons or evil spirits who have supernatural powers and are not neither human nor divine. A demon is one who is subject to Satan. Demon possession. Demon possession is a condition in which a demon or demons have complete control over a person. Demon possession involves demons actually inhabiting a person and controlling his or her actions. Christians cannot be demon-possessed, but they can be demon-influenced. When you look at the passages in the Bible about demon possession, and some of these passages, just straight taken from the Bible, the demon possession causes physical ailments such as inability to speak, Epileptic symptoms, blindness. In other cases, it causes the individual to do evil. Judas being the example. In Acts 16, 16 through 8, the spirit apparently gives a slave girl some ability to know things beyond her own learning. The demon-possessed man of the Gadarenes uh, possess supernatural strength. In addition to these physical or emotional distinctions, one can also look at spiritual attributes showing demonic influences, such as Paul told the church at Corinth, if you've refused to forgive... That's, that's almost like you're demon-possessed, almost. And also, false doctrine is always started by demons. That's why Paul said that in the last days, he was telling Timothy, men and women will refuse sound doctrine, and they'll have itching ears and heap up teachers for themselves, teaching the doctrine of demons. Teaching the doctrine of demons in the last days. Uh, the last thing a demon wants you to know is the truth about Jesus. This girl is severe. We don't know how old she is. But Matthew's gospel says she's severely demon-possessed and there's no hope for this girl. No hope. No hope. How does one get demon-possessed? Well, the Bible tells us a lot of different things. Just forsaking God. God, God said in Deuteronomy 32 to, to one, one town, he says, you have gotten fat and lazy and you've forgotten God. And then he lists all the things that's happened to him. And then the last thing is this. You started sacrificing to demons. And you've forsaken me, and you went away. That's what happened to Judas. Remember? Jesus sat at him at the table, and the Bible says Jesus uh, dipped his uh, bread. The Bible says, having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, which is really Judas's last chance. Jesus was giving him a last chance. I'm dipping bread with you, Judas. He said, one of you, one of you guys is a devil, and one of you going to betray me. And Jesus dipped bread with him. And Judas dipped bread with him, but it didn't matter. Judas didn't care. And then the Bible says this in the Bible, then Satan entered Judas. So I would tell you this. This is my advice to you, to all of you. Show this verse on the screen. Do not give the devil a foothold. Do not give the devil a foothold. Do not mess with uh, satanic things that they sell in stores and different things like that. You know, somebody asked me one time, would you come look at this Ouija board? And I said, I'm not coming in your house with that. I mean, if you have a pet iguana, I'm not coming to your house either, or a cat, all right? But if you have a Ouija board, I'm not coming. Get rid of it. Why would you want something like that in your home? You know, there's certain hallucinogenic drugs that open the gateway to all these things, okay? Be very careful. Be very careful who you talk to, what you listen to. There's so much out there today. Do not give the devil a foothold, all right? Walk with Jesus. So we see this possessed girl. The woman says this, Lord, she is severely demon-possessed. But, thankfully, we see a praying mother as well. All right, notice the verse on the screen. This praying mama, the woman was Greek, a Syrophoenician by birth. She kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. Isn't it amazing that Mark gives us these three things about this woman? Mark emphasizes her gender, her ethnicity, and her origin, all of which would be three strikes against her in the eyes of the Jews. She didn't qualify. MacArthur put it this way. He says, a woman and a Gentile 
She came from an area that was engulfed in pagan idolatry and was undoubtedly an idol worshiper herself. Tyre and Sidon were major centers of worship for the fertility goddess known as Ashereth in the Old Testament. In the minds of the Jews, no self-respecting rabbi would ever allow a Gentile, especially an idolatrous woman, to remain in his presence. But Jesus was not like any other rabbi. The Lord wanted to show his disciples that the message of salvation was for the nations, male, female, all races. But we see here her humility. Her humility. The Bible says this. She kept asking. In verse 25, the Bible says this, that she fell down before him. If you understand that word, look at verse 25. It's not going to be on the screen. For the woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him, she came and fell at his feet. That's a, that's a picture of worship. That's about like you're bound down before a king. It shows her incredible humility. We only see this nine times in Jesus' ministry. The wise men did it. Isn't that amazing? When you read the story of the wise men, they come in. Jesus, at that time, is in a house. He's probably two years old. And these kingmakers, these wise men, probably, probably 10 or 15 of them, more than three, come into this house and they all just bow down to worship a baby. Isn't that amazing? Worship him. This woman, who is a... Gentile living in pagan, a pagan land, comes in to Jesus and just bows down before him. The leper did that. The, the demoniac of the gatherings did that. She does this. Some women that were healed in Peter, they're the only ones that ever bow down before Jesus. And I'm reminded of what the, the book of Philippians says that says, At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. That's the same word. In heaven and on earth, under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. But that's not what got Jesus' attention. Notice her persistence. She kept asking. She wouldn't stop. She kept asking. She kept praying. It's in the imperfect tense, which means pleading again and again and again and again and again and again. That's what it means. Again and again and again. Stop me when you understand. Again and again and again. I'm going to keep on. Again and again and again. That's what she's doing. Over and over and over and over and over and over again. She's unwilling to give up. Moms, look. She's unwilling to give up. That's what the Lord's trying to tell us. Just keep praying. She was believing and trusting even when he... The Bible says in, in Matthew's Gospel, she didn't answer him, he didn't answer her word. Notice on the screen. Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. Jesus did not answer her word. Now go back to the verse before. Notice what, happened, what she did. She just keeps on asking. Keeps on asking. In the imperfect tense. She did not stop. It was so bad that in Matthew's gospel, the disciple says, can we get her out of here? <laughs> get her out of here. She's driving me crazy. All right? Keeps asking. Keeps asking. Keeps praying. One scholar put it this way. Her love for her daughter, the horror of demonic power in her home, combined with her confidence in Jesus' power, fueled her unwavering resolve. That heartfelt persistence was matched by an attitude of humble penance. It wasn't just that her daughter needed help. She knew Jesus would help her. She knew it. She believed in him. She, she was not doubting in her prayer. James, the Lord's brother, says, don't be double-minded when you're praying. You either believe or you don't. And she's just sitting here praying. Matthew's version says this, that the disciples, and I mentioned this before, and this is the word, word out of the Bible, send her away because she keeps shouting at us. Send her away. She just keeps on shouting. She's not going anywhere. Have you ever prayed so hard for someone you don't get an answer? I, I would tell you this, just don't stop. Just don't stop. So we see her persistence, we see her humility. Now notice her theology. Go to the next verse again. No, not that one. I'm sorry. There you go. Have mercy on me. Look, Lord, Son of David. What's, that's amazing. She understands who Jesus is. She, this is the Son of David. That's a theological term for the Messiah. He is royalty. He's the king of kings. And you, Lord, have the power, and I'm asking you to have mercy. What she's saying is, I don't deserve it, but will you have mercy on me? This Gentile woman understood Jesus was the Messiah when Capernaum didn't. Jesus, the Bible says Jesus did so many works in Capernaum that he wanted to do more, but he couldn't because they had no faith. They rejected him. Listen to what one scholar says about that. It's just showing you the difference between Capernaum and this woman. Jesus said that the miracles he performed in Capernaum were so amazing that had they occurred in Sodom and Gomorrah, it would have remained to this day. He said, he told Capernaum, if the, the works I did here were so outstanding, 
the teaching you got, the preaching you got, if we would have done this in Sodom and Gomorrah back in the day, they'd still be here today, worshiping. He said the same thing about Tyre and Sidon. He said, if we'd have done these types of works there, these people would have repented in sackcloth and ashes. He tells Capernaum, he goes on to say this. He said, it would have repented of their sin, turned to God, and been spared destruction. As far as is known, the people of Capernaum had no apparent moral deficiencies. Most of them were upright, law-abiding, and decent. Yet because they ignored and rejected the Son of God, their fate on the day of judgment will be worse than that of Sodom. Jesus' teaching perhaps mildly interested them. His miracles entertained them, but nothing more. His grace never rent their hearts. His truth never changed their minds. His warning about sin never provoked repentance. His offer of salvation never induced faith. And because of their indifferent unbelief, Jesus said to them, It will be more tolerable on the land, for the land of Sodom than for you on Judgment Day. But this woman is saying this, I believe you're the Messiah. I believe it. And only you can help me. Capernaum never said that. This woman, now notice the next verse, 27 and 28. But Jesus said to her, let the children be filled first. This is always talking about Israel. Talking about Israel. The children refers to the Jews, the lost sheep, the house of Israel. Paul gave this same priority of evangelism in Romans 1.16. I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The Greek scholar Wush said this, that he uses the illustration of the children of the household at the table and their little pets under the table. It is seemingly proper, he says, to see the children are fed first, then little dogs, their pets would be, would be next. He goes on to say this, Jesus makes a great point about going to the Jews first. The Jews looked upon all Gentiles as dogs. It was a term of reproach. Paul even called the Judaizers dogs when he said in Philippians 3, 2, beware of the dogs. But our Lord does not use that Greek word. The term for a dog, he didn't use it. He must have spoken Greek to this woman, and he probably did. She would not have known Aramaic of the Jews. Greek was the international language of the day. The woman, the word Jesus used in the Greek stands for a little dog. And answering the woman thus, he was just saying by, this, by his commission, Jesus said, I'm commissioned to the Jew first, then to the Gentiles. And that order of procedure was not favoritism, but only the method of reaching the larger number through a selected smaller group. The Jew was a chosen channel through which God elected to reach the Gentiles. It would be a wise ephesy to thus go to the Jew first. The Messiah sent to Israel was careful to preserve that order. Even when about to minister to a Gentile to whom his compassionate heart went out, he was careful to remind her of the fact that she came second, not first, in the great program of God's salvation to the Jews first. She understood it. I understand. I understand I'm not at the table. I'm under it. Is what she's saying. Yes, Lord, even the little dogs under the table eat from the children's crumbs. Back in those days, and even some countries now, I know when we went to the Philippines, you'd go into restaurants and you'd get rice. You'd give you a piece of meat, put the rice on it, and that's how you ate. With your hands, right? You ate with your hands, and they had these little waterfalls in the restaurant. That's how you washed your hands, right? If you're out in the field in the barangays, where we had medical clinics and where we played basketball, if you had sardines, you just ate them with your hands. And you ate the gnats or whatever came with them, but it's just what you did. You ate with your hands. In Jesus' day, guess what they ate with? Bread. Everything was with bread, right? And then you had another piece of bread that, that you didn't need as much, and guess what you did? You just wiped your hands with it. And you give that to the dog. In Luke chapter 16, it says that the, the Lazarus laid by the rich man's gate, and all he wanted was those crumbs that he got from the table. That's what this lady's saying. Jesus says, you want those crumbs? She said, the, your crumbs give me hope. I'll take the crumbs. A crumb from you will save my daughter. There's never been faith like this that I know of in the Bible from a Gentile. She said, I'll take the crumbs. Have you ever prayed for crumbs? Have you? I mean, have you ever been to the point that you were so desperate that you said, Lord, look, I don't need the answer to everything today. I just need some crumbs. I'll, I'll just take some crumbs. Hey, you pastor's been there? Uh, I, I've given, so many people from our church have thanked me for going to the radio station this past week to talk about the flood. They invited me there. What amazes me about that is how little people know of what went happen in day-to-day -day operations here. Rick Gilbert talked to me off the record before and after, just was amazed at what our church did. He started out the program by saying this, 
we're going to talk about, now listen, this is how I explain it to people, and they're like, oh, really? The largest natural disaster in Alexander County history up to this point. 21 families displaced. And what I mean by displaced, I was telling one of our community leaders, he was talking about another event. I said, no, those people went back home. These people would have been in the parking lot. They had no home to go to. That's the difference. Oh, you didn't know that? You didn't know that. And when we set up the, the shelter here, it was the first time we'd ever done a shelter. Nobody knew what they were doing. I told the Red Cross person, I said, listen, I'm in charge. You just stay out of the way, basically is what I did. I wasn't rude to him, but I told him, I'll, I'm doing this. You obviously don't know what you're doing, all right? How much help do you offer these people? We'll feed you lunch. We'll give you two nights in a hotel at my request. And I said, go to the Holiday Inn at Conway. It's just going to be easier to transport these people, all right? What about after that? Oh, there's nothing for us. There's nothing. So I told the people, you're going to be in the parking lot uh, Sunday if we don't get some help. I told Kevin, I said, you start a, go, you start a fund on our, on our website. And I said, I promise you people are going to start giving because I'm going to talk to these news reporters. And I said, I'm going to make them mention our fund. Within two hours, we had $20,000. By Sunday, we had eighty. right? But here's what you got to understand. I understood the magnitude of what was about to happen. I understood somebody had to be, some church had to be in control of that, right? Somebody has to. You just don't leave it up to nobody. So I'm sitting here thinking, you know, I told the people, I gave them all my card with my cell number. I said, I promise you, I stake my reputation in our churches, right? I represent you, right? We're going to take care of them. Every one of them. Hugged them before they got on the greenway. A few of them had cars. Some of them had family. Went over there again on Friday, right? And I told the hotel, I said, listen, they said, Red Cross got two days. I said, well, how much is the next day? Because Sunday's cost is going to be about $1,500. By the end of that week, it's going to be about $12,000, $14,000. I said, in three weeks, they don't have any money. And I remember sitting in my recliner on a Friday night. I said, God, I put my reputation, our churches, and yours. And there's absolutely no hope. And I said, I'm just asking for some crumbs here. Just give us something that we can do. Just give me some hope here. God, I, I'm on the front page of the Hickory Daily Record saying we're going to take care of you. And I'm looking like we can take care of people for about four weeks. And then what? You realize there's no housing in Alexander County? There's nothing. Within 15 minutes, my phone buzzed. And it was Wes Hammer. And he said, I got a friend who delivers mail up in Boone and Franklin Graham's on his route. He's out of the country, but another person, the Samaritan's Purse, is there. I said, can he be down here tomorrow morning? And he said, yeah. I said, we're going to meet with emergency services. I'm going to show him drone footage of the Hidden Out Family Campground. So we had that meeting, kind of off the record. Just saw the devastation. Do you realize there are campers 50 yards down in the woods, trees as high as our lights? Campers, total devastation. And I remember talking to the Samaritan's Purse person, who's a great person, like this woman talked to Jesus, and I said, you got to help us. I said, I looked him right in the eyes, and I said, you got to help us. I said, be at our church tomorrow, we're going to talk about it, and then come to the meeting. Eighty church leaders are here, and I just explained the magnitude of the situation. There's no hope here. Unless somebody wants to help us. We need money. we got to get these people moved. Talked to the Samaritan's Purse again. I said, listen, bro, you got to help us. I said, you got to help us. He called me that night, and he says, I talked to Bruce. He's going to come down. He wants to meet you. We believe not just in your cause. We believe in you. He says, we'll, we'll cover two weeks. I said, you give us two weeks. Thank you. $24,000. Your staff in DSS moved 16 families from Conover, every one of them, to Statesville. Because bless them, Conover is done. <laughs> All right. I said, Hampton Inn, we'll take care of them. Do you realize those people had to be fed every day? Who's coordinating that? Your staff Zoom called with DSS every day for almost two or three weeks trying to figure out what we're going to do. I'm still texting, calling Samaritan's Purse, man, we got two weeks. we got two weeks. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And then the guy says this, hey, we got some campers in Louisiana or Texas. Where was it, Mark? Texas, maybe? I said, Mark, get with a guy. Mark coordinated with church members setting up all those campers out there, 11 of them. Another church gave another one, uh, a guy, a camper to stay in. So you know what that gave us? That gave us three months. So we've got three months now. We've got three months to get them somewhere else. Do you, do you understand 
the, the, that your, your staff became the Hidden Night Family Campground staff for five months. Every day we dealt with it. Five months. I want to show you this. These are deposits that were given here. This is what Kevin and Tracy did every day. These are deposits. Money has to be accounted for. You have all these deposits, thousands of dollars, $234,677.38 was started here through the giving of the churches in the county. Kevin and Tracy had to do this. These are all the expenditures down here, every one of them. Every check that was written. I heard people over and over again saying, uh, you better be careful with that money. I'm like, who do you think we are? Who do you think we are here? You think this is like some, what, what do you think this is? It's these tails. You realize we have an account balance of 0.2 cent? Two cent. Like the two weeks ago, every check had been written out and every family had been accounted for. All right? How did these things get done? I could tell you story after story, just like the one about the housing where I said, Jesus, this is what I said. You got to help us. You got to help us. You have to help us, Jesus. You have to. We're at another spot where we cannot make this work. And see what Jesus will tell you this, moms. You do all you can do, right? You do everything you can do. Because if you can do it, why does Jesus need to do it for you? Faith comes in when I can't do it. I can't, do, I can't save my child. Can't do it. You can't make your child believe in Jesus. You can't make your child live right. But you, you can't. You can tell them. You can be an example. And you can pray. That's all you can do. See, that's out of your hands. If your loved one's sick, I've been with loved ones where the doctor said this, we can't do nothing. We can't do nothing. I said, that's when God works the best. See, this woman couldn't do anything for her daughter, but she knew who could. See, God didn't save this girl based on her faith. God cast a demon out based on the mom's faith, right? When you're to the point that you can't do anything else, understand your Savior can do anything. He can do anything. But don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. Don't stop praying because then, and only then, will you truly experience point number three is this powerful Savior that we have. Notice what verse 29 says. And he said to her, For this saying, go your way, the demon has gone out of your daughter. If you study that word in the Greek, it means it was cast out, almost like you're throwing a piece of paper, and it's gone. What that word gone means, it means it's gone forever, never coming back. That's what that word means. It's gone out of your daughter, and then the woman in verse 30 walks into the house, seeing that the demon had gone out. And what, what she understood was this, my daughter's never going to be the same again. She's healed, she's whole, she's in her right mind. Jesus answered my prayer that she kept praying. Now listen, over and over and over and over and over. So what's the point I want you to get today, ladies? Notice the last slide is this. Just keep praying. Hey, listen, just keep praying. Over and over and over. And I love how one, one person put it. He said this, trust, you got to trust a prayer-answering, miracle-working God. And he goes on to say this, the God whom this mother turned is the same God we turn to today. He still changes life. He still works miracles. He still hears the desperate cries of interceding mothers and fathers. For what person do you need to pray today? Are you burdened enough? about them, to run to Christ like this hurting mother did. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. The first step to any prayer is knowing that you know that you have a relationship with Christ. If you don't, today pray, Jesus, I believe in the resurrected Christ. You're my only hope for salvation. Forgive my sins. I place my faith and trust in you today. Then all the moms here, for whom do you need to pray? Will God come through once again? Yes, he will. Whom do you need to pray for today? What situation do you need to pray about? Do you trust God? Do you trust Him? You may need to pray like this woman. Oh Lord, have mercy on blank. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on my child. Have mercy on my situation. Lord, have mercy. But I know and believe that you can do it. And make a commitment today to pray till you see this thing through. Fathers, we come to you in prayer. Lord, we thank you for our moms. Lord, there's nobody, there's nobody in our lives really that modeled Jesus more than our moms. They'll never leave us nor forsake us. 
Father, who's, who's given the most unconditional love in our lives? It's been our mothers. Who can we always go back to regardless of what we do? Our mothers. Father, we thank you for our mothers. Father, help us all to be more like this woman, this mother. Her theology was right. Her attitude was right. But Lord, what a tenacious person that just kept on praying. And Father, I often ask myself this question. I ask our church also. What prayers do I expect you to answer this week because of the prayers I prayed last week? Father, help us to be a praying people. Help us to be a praying church because we have a prayer-answering, all-powerful God that we're praying to. Who can do anything? We love you today, Father. In Jesus' name I pray and all of God's people say together, amen. Thank you all. God bless you. I hope you have a happy Mother's Day, and we'll see you back here next Sunday. You're dismissed. Thank you. We want to thank you for taking time to join us online today. Our hope and prayer is that Jesus is glorified and that you are challenged and encouraged through worship and God's Word. Today, if you made a decision to place your faith and trust in Christ as your Lord and Savior, or maybe you still want to know more about what it really means to follow Jesus, please feel free to contact us through the week. We would love to be able to share with you more about the hope that is only found in Christ. If you're not already a regular part of another church family, we invite you to join us here on campus each week for Sunday school and worship on Sunday morning. Finally, if you would like more information about our church, or maybe you feel led to support the ongoing ministry and mission efforts of East Taylorsville, please feel free to visit our website at easttaylorsville.com. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you have a great week.